Hi, this is Bob Wells here, and welcome to Undercurrent Stories. This is the show where we hear about people's interests and uncover some fascinating stories at the same time. I hope you enjoy today's show. In today's show, I'm delighted to be joined by Seth Pascoe. Seth is an agronomist and is the founder of the Cornish Seaberry Company, which he set up following research into a little known, or certainly little known in the UK, superfood called sea buckthorn. Hello and welcome to the show, Seth. Hello, Bob. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Great to have you on. Thank, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for inviting me. How's your day been? It's been a bit of a, a wet and miserable uh, first day of February down here in Cornwall today, but um, I've been, been doing a little bit of pruning and a few little odd jobs, a bit of tree planting as well today. So um, yeah, out and about anyway. And, and this is on the farm, is it? Yeah, this is in the orchard, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so before we talk about sea buckthorn, the opportunity it provides, can you just tell us a little bit about you and, and you know your journey and how you came into agriculture and specifically agronomy, please? Um, well, my parents didn't have a farm, so uh, agronomy seemed like the next logical thing for me um, to be involved with crop production, basically. Um, so agronomy yeah. is managing all aspects of crop production from cultivations, which varieties to grow, how much seed to drill, um, fertilizer, spraying, you, you name it, all aspects of crop production, really. Uh, so by, by managing other people's crops, I, I sort of fulfill the, the farmer need in, in my um, own personality. When, when you sort of first got into agriculture, um, what, what, made, what made you want to do it? It all started off with, um, I really like tractors and bits of kit. And I did lots of um, <laughs> sort of carpet farming. And it happened to be that the farmer across the road had, had lots of uh, machinery. And he was always going up and down the road with um, big bits of kit. Um, so the initial thing was to drive kit. Uh, I did that for a little while and I did a few harvest jobs and sort of running massive bits of machinery sort of 20 hours a day that the novelty soon wears off. But I did start yeah. of, um, get involved with big arable farms and that sort of led me to an interest in crop production. So I went to agricultural college and when most people finish agricultural college, they go back to the farm, but I didn't have that option. So, so was that straight straight from school to agricultural yes, college? Yes, yeah. In yeah. fact, yeah. in between school and ag college, I had to do a, um, an NVQ to get some practical knowledge because ag college wouldn't let people in that didn't have any sort of practical knowledge. So I had to do yeah. that first and then I went to ag college Um and then, yeah, once once I finished that, I decided to go on to university and get a degree as well because, um, like I said, no, no real farm to go back to of any sort. So I thought I'd better make myself as employable as possible. <laughs> yeah. And what did you do your course on in university? Um, it was a BSc in crop production. Oh, right. So still still on the same the same vein. Yes, yeah. The, I've read your paper about the, the sea buckthorn. Um, what created the interest in that particular plant? Well, I suppose it goes back to the frustrated farmer thing again, Bob, really. I was always on the lookout for something I could grow on, on a small area of land that would you know, command um, a decent, decent value and a decent niche, something very different, really. I can't yeah. afford to buy masses of land. Um, not that many people can afford to buy much of land this, these days. So it was, it was something that I could do on a small scale. And I've just been keeping my eyes open and um, just sort of drumming it over in the background they, they say agronomists are basically frustrated farmers they can't farm their own so they have to look up other, other people's farms <laughs> uh, so yeah I, I know, but by pure circumstance i was running a farm over in canada and then i finished that and came back to the uk and in between that i decided to go and see the himalayas and i did a tref, trek to Everest base camp and it was on that trek that i first came across sea buckthorn yeah so um 
it was on on the trek to Everest base camp. Um, we all get started getting altitude sickness, quite um, you know, headaches and. Did you, did you say Everest base camp? That's right. Yeah. So, so I, did you do you climb Everest? I haven't climbed Everest. No, I got as far as the base camp, and once you go yeah. past base camp, there's a, a hefty um, amount of money and a lot more experience required, which neither of which I had. So I, I stopped at Everest base camp. We did um, climb a little side hill, I guess you'd call it, of about five thousand six hundred meters to watch yeah. the sunrise come up on Everest um, on the summer wow. which was magical, really, yeah. Yeah, I bet it was. I bet it was. So so on that trek, um, yeah, the altitude sickness kicked in, and the, the Sherpas gave us this, gave a glass of this, like, neon orange-coloured juice and said, yeah. well, this is what we'll drink. This is this is sort of um, Nepali superfruit. This will ha- this, this might help out with your your um, your altitude sickness. Yeah. So we went, we went to bed, thinking, you know, if the bloke had said to us, here's a breeze block, chew on this, it will help your altitude sickness, we both would have you know, taken up with it. Well, here's, oh, here's, right. here's an iron bar, Nash on that, it'll cure altitude sickness, we'd have done it. <laughs> yeah. um, so there's no sort of motive at that point. But the following day, we woke up, and um, both my, my, my friend Kieran and I both felt much better. And let me neck, maybe there's something in it. You know, what, you know, so we sort of pumped the Sherpas for information. They were saying, oh, I see Buckthorn, blah, 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 blah. And, and um when I came home from Everest, I started researching it and it turns out it's actually grows in the UK. So I just stuck a hundred trees in the ground to see what happened really. A hundred trees. Yeah. That's where I started. Oh, so that's how, that's how it all started. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And is, was that about the time where you did your paper? No, this was pre-paper. Um, so, yeah. so I stuck a hundred trees in the ground to see if they grew and they did, and they seemed to grow quite happily. So, okay, this is quite encouraging. Um, I wonder what, I wonder how I can find out more about sea buckthorn and that's when I did this uh, Nuffield Farming Scholarship, which um, basically enabled me to travel around the world visiting sea buckthorn growers, you know, from India to China to Romania to Sweden, um, a real in-depth sort of world tour, really. Oh, so it's, it, it's not just in Nepal, it's right around the world? Yes, yeah, so it's in the Northern Hemisphere predominantly, Bob. Um, but yeah, right right through uh, Canada, it's, it's quite um, well dispersed, I suppose is the word. So uh, you came back from... The various countries that you visited. Which, yes. What, what, can you just go through those countries again, please, Seth, that you went to? Um, so uh, where did I go first? I, th- I think I went to China first, and that was sort of a real yeah. culture shock. Um, I flew out to China, to Beijing, and then from Beijing I flew into, uh, I can't remember if it was Outer or Inner Mongolia, but e- either or, it was the middle of nowhere, basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and, it, yeah, it was, it, was, it was the sort of place where um, – well, I, I persevered with chopsticks for about three or four days, and on the fifth day, I gave up and asked the um, the restaurant if they had any uh, knives and forks cutlery, and they, <laughs> and they brought them out on like a, a, a sort of a silver plinth, and all the yeah. waiters came out to look at me using them. It was that sort of unique, novel sort of experience. It was a novelty novelty for them to they watch. Were, you they were astonished by yeah. watching this white guy, yeah, yeah, yeah use a knife and fork. Yeah. Um, did you did you visit these countries on your own? Yes, predominantly. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Yeah. And and how long were you were you out visiting the countries? So Nuffield likes you to do sort of at least a, a, th- a three-week minimum stint, ideally more, so you sort yeah. of really get out of your comfort zone. Yes. Um, so I, I think I did t- two weeks or no, a week week to 10 days in China, and then I flew from China to um, Prague, I think it was. And then I went from Prague, I caught a train to Romania, and then back to Prague again, and then um, to Latvia. Then I caught a boat from Latvia to Stockholm, a train from Stockholm to Copenhagen, another train from Copenhagen to Hamburg, and then a car from all, well, basically car all around Germany, and then I finished Germany and came back to the UK. And then um, on, a, on another trip, I went to North America 
um, predominantly sort of New Jersey, Pennsylvania, just to see other fruit productions and learn more about their marketing and strategies and that side of things. Yeah. And I also managed to get out to New Delhi, New Delhi um, for the International Sea Buckthorn Association Conference. And then, sorry, could you say that again? The International Sea Buckthorn Association. Yep, it does exist. <laughs> <laughs> and after that, I managed to, after the um, conference of this, sort of three or four days in the smoggy hell of New Delhi, you managed to um, go for an, a post-conference tour up into the Indian Himalayas to yeah. an area called Ladakh, and that's where sea buckthorn grows wild. There's this basically forests of sea buckthorn up there, so it was awesome to see that. That that was a whistle-stop tour then, not a holiday. There were moments of holidaying, um, yeah. just sort of the odd day downtime down in between sort of meetings and various bits and pieces. But it, yeah, it was it was sort of quite full on, and there was a few disasters along the way. Um, I got abandoned in the middle of rural Romania, I think it was, when the, the train carriage got decoupled, not with me asleep in it, basically. Yeah. Uh, so there's all sorts of things like that which added to the um, adventure. Yeah. So, so you got back, and that's when you wrote the paper after after the visits. Yes. So uh, after you've um, done your scholarship, you you are tasked with writing a report and also presenting your sort of your findings, if you want, at the annual conference. Um, so, so, so you'd already planted the hundred trees, and and then you went. To, are they called trees? Uh, I, I call them trees. Yeah, bushes, yeah. trees. They, they, yeah. They, yeah, that sort of. Ilk. So, so you already planted them. They're happily growing as as you're away. Yes. And you you, you see all these countries, and and uh, you start to write the paper. How did how did it change how you felt about what you were doing with with um, sea book form? Well, the, the more I learned, Bob, the more it sort of um, emboldened me and gave me confidence that actually I, I could perhaps stick my neck out a bit further. So, having having done the sort of the world tour, if you like, I came back and thought. I think there's potential to make a business venture out of this. And um, yeah. so the 100 trees became sort of 600, which then became 2,500 or uh, if not more than that, basically. we uh, uh, Coming back from the tour, it, it gave me the confidence to approach uh, the Duchy of Cornwall and ask for a farm business tenancy on some land to yeah. to go from a hobby into a, a business venture, I suppose. Wow. So so what sort of acreage of land do you have? Uh, it's not much. Um, I've got two small half-acre orchards and then one big sort of four-and-a-half-acre orchard. Yeah. So, okay, so let's talk about seed buckthorn berries themselves then. Why, why are they Why are they so popular with people? Um, not necessarily, well, obviously not particularly popular yet in the UK, uh, but they are in other countries. Why, why are they so popular? Uh, firstly, I'll touch on the, the fact they've sort of escaped the Western world, which is a bit of an anomaly really, but the, the, the sort of traditional or widespread sea buckthorn growing countries are East Germany, the Baltic states, Russia, Siberia, um, China. And these yeah. are, if you, if you imagine, these are all sort of the old Cold War countries. So yes. with, the, with the Berlin Wall and the sort of the height of the Cold War, the, a lot of the sea buckthorn didn't really get momentum because it was so, all the, the growers and the industry all invested inwardly. So there's no real push onto the Western sort of Western market, if you like. I see. Yeah. So yeah. it just escaped it completely by, by sheer chance. It escaped the attention of the Western world. And so if you go to Sweden or, or Siberia, the average housewife knows what sea buckthorn is or, or half torn yeah. as it is in the local country. And, and they know it's good for them and that they'll, you know, they'll, they'll have a glass of sea buckthorn juice like we would a glass of orange juice. Yeah, so so it's basically widespread, and, and sort of the the culture knows that it's a healthy berry, um, and yeah. and they'd have a glass of that as a tonic, a healthy tonic, like we would you know consider orange juice to be a, sort of a, a vitamin C shot for ourselves. So, what does the for pe- you know for listeners who, who may not have even heard of this um, berry, what what does it look like, and what sort of size is it? 
They, they they do vary a little bit, Bob, but generally, sort of, if, if you think the size of a fingernail, a neon orange and sort of oval size with a, with a sort of tiny little stalk at one end, and yeah. then and then inside that, that each each berry has a, a tiny little seed. Okay, and um, what do they taste like? They are little tart, sour um, bombs, really, of flavour. So when you burst the berry in your mouth, you get a, a real sort of kick of uh, acidity. Um, and, yeah. and that's the high ascorbic acid, the content, which is obviously giving it's the high vitamin C. And then after that, you get sort of a, an overtone and a, a sort of not a sweetness, but all these other flavors come in and you get hints of mango or passion fruit, um, that, that sort of thing. Really, People even say pineapple. It's got its nickname is the Siberian pineapple in Russia. Oh, is it? Yeah. And, and so can you can you eat it on its own? It it's, it's not a pineapple fruit, Bob, like you wouldn't tip it on your cereal, although I do. A lot of people in the Western world, we've got a sweet tooth, haven't we? So um, we have, yeah. it's it's not for a sort of a, a traditional punnet fruit, I guess. There's there's, yeah. there's people out there that love it, um, myself and you know other people as well. Um, yeah. But as a, as a sort of all out punnet fruit, perhaps not. But once you're when you once you process it into any sort of um, other product, uh, then you can just manipulate it slightly to deliver the flavour and the benefits. Yeah, and you mentioned vitamin C there. Um, what what sort of research has been done in, into the health benefits of it? There's there's all manner of papers, um, and not not all of them are peer reviewed, but quite a few are. But a lot of the papers come from China, um, Russia, India, and places like that, and they they sort of get overlooked by the Western world because just from sort of snobbiness, if anything. Um, so there's, there's a lot of research out there. When I went to the conference in india i was just blown away by the depth of knowledge like in vitro and in vivo trials and on all sorts of every single aspect of sea buckthorn the, yeah. the, the common sort of take home is that there's, there's over oh, there's proven to be 190 bioactive compounds in, in sea buckthorn and that each one of those compounds will deliver some sort of nutritional or, or benefit to, or health benefit to the, the the consumer that's that's amazing to hear isn't it the, the take home is vitamin c because it is it's one that everyone's familiar with and um, yeah. and it, it varies considerably between varieties and obviously between where the plant's growing. But um, the, the reference, the sort of, the, the sort of take-home message, it's 10 times the amount of vitamin C. And and, and, and that is true for certain berries that are grown in, in the Himalayas. Um, for my own fruit here in Cornwall, when I, when I had it analysed, it's about between three to five times the amount of vitamin C reference um, oranging, oranges. Is it really? Mm-hmm. Is it? Wow! Wow! And how how do you harvest the sea berries? Well, this is <laughs> this is the problem, Bob. It's, it's um this this is the biggest sort of obstacle to commercial uptake. Is there's no bit of kit that you can buy to harvest the berries. They're not yeah. true berries. So there's no abscission point, so you can't shake them off the tree. So the only real way, I mean, hand harvesting is literally painful and very slow. You, at best, you can do about a kilo an hour, and if you if you hope a tree does five. Well, you'd hope a tree would do five kilos, really. Yeah. Um, so 2,000 times five, that's an awful lot of man hours. So what you tend to do is you, you prune the berry-laden branch and you put that branch into a freezer. And then once frozen, you can just basically whack the branch and all the berries will fall off um, yeah. very very easily. Speaking as, as not an agriculture or an agronomist, it's one crop a year, is it? That's right, yes. When you um, – the harvest is in August. Yeah. And um, once you harvest the berry – in, in, if you're doing the branch pruning method in harvesting the berry you basically um are pruning the tree so that tree won't fruit the following year so basically you have to have 
you divide your orchard into half basically so one half you're harvesting whilst the other yeah. half is regenerating and vice versa oh right so they, they, they'll basically harvest every two years yes because you've cut off the, the, the berry forms in two old wood and if you cut yeah. off that wood the, the tree's got to basically come back again yeah and, and does the does the tree um get bigger and bigger until you get more and more fruit is that is that how it works to a certain extent but because you're cutting the branches off when you harvest them you're you're yeah. you're, li- you're limiting the the tree's um potential in that respect you're, you're pruning it I yeah guess, absolutely you're, yeah you're, you're sort of pruning it whilst harvesting it as well uh i did in, in latvia i saw um they call it the mother tree and it's a wild yeah. sea buckthorn tree in the middle of nowhere that's about eight to nine meters tall so it it, and it's not a very sort of pretty tree in that it's sort of um it's got a perfect sort of architecture and canopy it, it's sort of yeah. fallen over a couple of times and carried on growing and that sort of thing so it's a big sort of it's got a big spread but it's you know, it, it's a it's a sizable thing to look at in fact i didn't recognize it as sea buckthorn when i first saw it but um yeah it, it can grow into sort of reasonable trees hopefully seth will get some photos from you and we can put them on the show notes oh yes um, yeah but for listeners who want to get an idea of what this this tree looks like when it's sort of in its prime could could you give it give a description of and perhaps any any other type of tree it looks like People say it looks like an olive because it's got a quite a, a long, slender, narrow, uh, dark green leaf with a sort of a shine, a sheen to it. Yeah. Um, it also looks a little bit like a willow leaf as well, in, in that, that same sort of respect, really. Like, you know, long, narrow leaf um, with a sort of silvery sheen to it. And I yeah. guess a, a rosemary too, but I think the rosemary link is a bit tenuous. Yeah, yeah. So, do you, do you have many people working on on the uh, on the cultivation? No, at the moment it's just myself, and then um, harvest. We, we employ casuals at harvest to help um, bring yeah. in the crop. Um, it's 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 not quite manageable at the moment, but the business isn't at the stage where we can sort of uh, really employ someone or make it viable at the moment in that respect. And and when you've harvested the the products, um, do you then process them to things like juice yourself, or does that go on to somebody else? How does it work? A bit of both. But- predominantly bob but we've been selling the berries as berries to breweries and chocolatiers and jam makers and all sorts of things like that oh, for brewers of beer mm-hmm, yes there's um oh, right. a brewery down in st agnes down the other end of cornwall called the Drift- yeah. driftwood spars brewery and they've made a, a seabury saison um beer which is actually they did it as a limited edition but it's actually turned into something that's very popular and everyone seems to really enjoy so it's, it's actually become a sort of part of the core range now which oh, is wow. really good um, I'm gonna let you into a little secret. I'm I'm a brewer. Ah, there you um, go. Yeah, an amateur <laughs> brewer. So you got me thinking. I'm thinking, yeah, nice tart sort of um, saison or something like that. Would be very nice. Mm. Yeah. So, Excellent. but the, going back to the, the products, we we want to do the juice. Like, we want to capture that value of making the juice ourselves, and that that's yeah. what I'm working on at the moment. So I was I was hoping to have the juice on the market sort of this spring to coincide with appearing on Rick Stein's show, but it, yeah. that we just ran into obstacle after obstacle. Um, sure. So we're still working on that at the moment. Yeah. Well, it was great seeing you on the on the Rick Stein's Cornwall show about three weeks ago. Um, what what sort of interest have you had since since you had your appearance? Yeah, a lot of interest, Bob. We um we managed to get our internet um website up and running just before the show, thankfully, because we don't, we didn't really have any sort of web presence before then, other than a real clunky old blog and yeah. um, social media sort of pages. So managed yeah. to get that live, and um, we've had a lot of emails of interest. Lots of members of the public, but also one or two chefs and a couple of commercial sort of trade inquiries as well. So that's all very encouraging, really. 
Yeah, no, it sounds it. And and is, is it the sort of plant that is sort of fairly easy to grow uh, if, if any listeners would like fancy growing it? Is it something that you can do in your garden? It's it's quite adaptive. It's a pioneering species, so it's quite keen to grow. Um, but there's a there's a few things it, it doesn't like, such as wet soils. Um, it doesn't like shade. It loves full sunshine. And it doesn't yeah. particularly like a lot of competition because it, it's sort of um, it, its favourite place to grow, and this is where it gets its invasive reputation from, is on sand dunes. Um, oh, on on yeah. sand dunes, it, it just goes berserk because nothing else is growing there, and it just it just thrives. It's getting the sun. It's got good free draining soils, and it just it spreads through um, root suckers, which is basically a, a root. The roots come underground and pop up sort of a few meters from the tree and grow again. If you know um, another another tree, yes. So that's that's how it spreads. So the the tree will um, the root sucker will pop up sort of three or four meters away from the, the mother tree, and then that yeah. will start growing again. And th- and that yeah. happens in our orchard too. But we um, obviously our, our our alleyways we we mow once in a while. And we've also got sheep, um, Shropshire sheep, which are a heritage breed that are used for grazing Christmas tree orchards and apple orchards, oh. that sort of thing. Um, so by and large, these sheep tend to leave the trees alone and eat the grass. They do they do they do have the odd nibble once in a while, yeah. but, but by and large, they just stick to the grass. But they do they do nibble off the the, the suckers every now and then as well. So that's quite handy. Yeah. Yeah, I bet. And and they've got th- they've got thorns. These bushes have they? Yes. Yeah, they're they're, they're very sort of fierce. Uh, um, yeah. Every leaf cluster's got a thorn, basically. Right. So it must be quite painful when you're picking them, or could be. It, could be yes. It is. The, the, the sort of minute you you stop concentrating, that you get punished. Yeah. yeah, I bet you do. You've had a, you've had a few uh, pinpricks in your fingers, have you? Oh, multiple. And the, the, the sort of the, the thorn will go in, and the very tip of the thorn will snap off, and then oh, um, it, well, I've. I've sort of pruning is when i tend to get my my worst um uh amount of prickles uh yeah. so i've actually now started wearing mountain bike gloves because it's, it's on the actual back of your hands that you tend to get prickled more when you're pruning do you use secateurs to go in then that's right yes yeah, yeah. so mountain bike gloves are quite good because they've got armor on the on the sort of back back side of the hand of course so <laughs> they've actually turned out to be a real good find for protecting my hands uh yeah. during pruning that, that sounds really interesting and and um well, as I say, I'd like to put some photos on, on the uh, on the Facebook pages and, and all the rest of it, so we can have a look at it. Um, with your travels you had and, and the, the you know the, the research paper you did and, and all the rest of it, do you think there's further opportunities for other sort of lesser known superfoods? I, I think so. Um, I suppose if the pandemic's taught us anything, that there's been a real sort of switch into you know um, getting better better health in the diet. Yes. The, 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 We've become so disassociated between food and nutrition that they, they, they don't go hand in hand like they once did. So now we just we eat because we're hungry. We're not eating because it's a social occasion or for nutrition. It's just like something we do um, as a matter of course, really. But yeah. that that sort of has changed a little bit now, and people are generally pay, paying much more attention to what they eat. And then things like sea buckthorn come to the fore because you know a crop that delivers all this nutrient. Um, it, you know, it's, it's it's sort of a no brainer really to me anyway. Yeah, for for people who are perhaps thinking of um, making a career in agronomy, what sort of advice would you give them? Um, thick skin. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, farmers can be um, quite demanding at times, and, and I suppose it is because their livelihood that you're sort of working with. It's it's a fantastic career because it, a lot of the time you're basically being paid to walk around fields um, in, in glorious sunshine with your yeah. dog and that sort of thing. But uh, obviously there's, there's a serious side to it because you are managing or looking after someone's um, cropping entity and uh, yeah, there's, there's, there's high stakes there really. 
it is quite rewarding too because you, you, you know, you're seeing a crop through from from start to finish. Um, yeah, I'm not sure what to say yeah. on that one, really. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, where can, where can if, if if somebody's interested in um, getting hold of some of this, uh, some of the juice that you do and all the rest of it, where where where's the best place to go? If you go to our website, Bob um, CornerSeaBerry.co.uk, they can yeah. um, leave an email. They, they click on buy now on the juice. They can uh, leave their email address with us, and then as soon as the juice comes becomes available, um, they'll get notified, and they won't get notified or spammed in any other way. It's just once that becomes available. That's that's fantastic. So I'll put all that on the show notes, Seth. Brilliant, um, thank you. Have you got any other any other projects coming up at all? Anything anything new happening? I've acquired 10 apple trees, <laughs> so I'm thinking oh, about planting a few apple trees as well because the, the juice actually um, is, is sea berry and apple juice, and they, they complement each other so well. The apple just takes the edge off the acidity and carries yes. the sea berry really well, but the sea berry dom- dominates the flavour and the colour still, so they, they do yeah. work. They go hand in hand. Yeah. Um, but aside from that, well, once we get the juice up and running, then, I mean, the... I went to this um, in my travels. I went to see Buckthorn World in Germany. Um, see Buckthorn World. <laughs> yes, it exists. You won't believe it. But basically, everything there is orange, and they've got everything under the sun made from sea buckthorn, from like gummy bears to high-end like spirits and everything and everything in between, really. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's got it's it's so versatile in the amount of products you can do with it. But obviously, I want to concentrate on getting one or two sort of core products up and running properly before um of course spending yeah. myself too thin on everything else yeah well it's been it's been great talking to you seth and like i say i'll put it put all your contacts on on the show notes um thank you so much for coming on thank you bob you have been listening to undercurrent stories i hope you've enjoyed this episode Please feel free to share the show link to your friends and family. And if you have 60 seconds, I would be most grateful if you would please rate and review. To hear more episodes, please subscribe to the show and visit undercurrentstories.com. If you leave your email in the link, we will notify you as soon as new episodes are released. Also, check out our social media links, details of which can be found on the show notes. Until next time, this is Bob Wells wishing you all the very best.